Let's open our Bibles today to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. And this is our eighth week and our last week in our study through the Old Testament book of Malachi, a series that we've referred to as namesake. Uh, Today I want to uh, bring this message to a close by speaking to you about the day. The day. Almost every person that you would encounter has some day that they are thinking about. Some day that they are anticipating and some day that they are preparing for. If you walk up to a bride or a groom and you ask the question, when's the day? They're going to respond almost immediately, some date. July 7th, 6 p.m., when's the day? They know immediately what you're talking about. You talk to an expectant mom and you say, hey, when's the day? They say, eight more weeks. The baby's due on whatever day is just locked in her mind. You talk to a 64-year-old person and say, hey, when's the day? They say, oh, I'll retire on October 1st. They know exactly What day is on their mind? You talk to a high school senior. Hey, how many weeks to the day? Six weeks to the... uh, May 17th. That They know immediately what day is big in their mind. You talk to a spouse of someone who has a husband or wife deployed in a military assignment. And you say, when's the day? They know immediately the day they're expecting and they're looking forward to and they are preparing for that day of their return. You talk to a 15-year-old and you walk up to them and you say, hey, when's the day? And they'll immediately, I get my license in six months, three weeks, and two days. They are looking forward to a day. They are anticipating a day. Well, in Malachi, we find that he also had a day on his mind and his heart, a day that was being anticipated and a day that was being prepared for. And when we look today in Malachi chapter 4, we're going to see a day talked about. It's a day that calls for anticipation and preparation. Five times in these closing verses of Malachi, That two-word phrase is used, the day, except the last one. The fifth one, it actually says, the great and awesome day. And so today, we're going to look and see what Malachi has to say about that day. We learn that when he speaks of the day, these five times, that Malachi is talking about a day of reckoning. A day of judgment, a day of action by God himself. And it is a day that he refers to as a day that will separate people. It will separate those who fear God from those who do not fear God. It will separate those who esteem God from those who do not esteem God. It will separate those who serve God from those who do not serve him. It will separate those who are classified as the righteous from those who are classified 
as the wicked. It is a dividing day. It is a judgment day. It's a reckoning day. It is, a, it is an action day. As we look at Malachi chapter 4, I want to give you some characteristics of the day. A day that requires preparation and a day that calls for anticipation. Three things we know about this day when we read Malachi 4 is that it will be a dreadful day for some. And then it will be a hopeful day for some. And then we just see finally that on that day, we simply call it His day. It will be His day. Look at Malachi chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. For behold... And here it is the first time, the day. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. In verse 5, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And in that phrase, the Old Testament comes to a close. And God goes silent. And for some 400 years, we have no recorded, inspired word of God. Quiet. In our Bibles, my Bible, it takes just one turn of the page and I see the gospel according to Matthew. But in that one turning of the page, hundreds of years Pass. Let's talk for just a few moments about the day. Number one, for some, the day will be dreadful. I was asked, as I usually am during the week, what I was speaking on today. And I began to talk about Malachi. And in that moment of... <laughs> Pressure, I guess you would say, to just get out what's in Malachi chapter 4. It just kind of exploded out of my mouth that I would be talking at this time from Malachi chapter 4 about a day that would be dreadful for some and hopeful for some. The word dreadful was the first word that came to mind because when you read about this day that is spoken of, this day of judgment, day of reckoning, day of accounting that Malachi speaks of here, it is a day that 
should be dreaded. And we began the message by talking about a day that should be anticipated and a day that should be uh, prepared for. But the first thing we're confronted with is that this day will be dread-filled. When you look at the description of that day, you cannot run from it. You cannot argue it away. You cannot uh, water it down. It describes in Malachi bluntness the dreadfulness of this day of judgment that's coming. Look at the descriptors that are given for this day. For behold, the day coming, that, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. How it, it's a phrase that doesn't need an illustration. It is the illustration. Burning like an oven. What will that day be like? He says, here's what it will be like. It will be a day coming that is burning like an oven. Second phrase is when all the arrogant and evil doers will be stubble. You see immediately that on this day some division has taken place. Some judgment has taken place. And in the descriptor of that day burning like an oven, it identifies that those who will experience that day as a, a day of burning like an oven are classified as the arrogant and evil doers. It, it reminds us that in God's view and according to God's standard that there is a classification where God says that's arrogant or that's an arrogant heart or that's evil. And in a day and time where uh, maybe a, a society wants to redefine what is uh, evil or what is good, God knows and God's standards have been set. And he says the arrogant and the evil doers will be stubble. It's a, it's a, it's a reference to the, the cutting away, the judgment that would come upon a classification of a heart, of a person. It goes on, it says, The day that is coming shall set them ablaze. There is no place in these verses for humor. There's no place in these verses for levity. There's no place in these verses to make light of. They are... They are verses that should cause us to tremble. Uh, verses that should create burden in our heart. Concern. He hasn't finished. He's piling the descriptions on this dreadful day coming. For some. Burns like an oven. Classified as stubble, shall set them ablaze. And then the last phrase, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. This is a phrase that describes no escape. There will be no escape. There will not be something that happens maybe to the branches but doesn't happen to the root or something that happens to the root that doesn't happen to the branches it speaks of a consuming 
fire, of total judgment, of no wiggle room, uh, of no excuse, no escape. When we read verses like this and we just, if we just pick these verses out and we said burning like an oven, arrogant, will, will be stubble, a, a day that sets them ablaze, uh, neither root nor branch will be left. We, we would not have to say Malachi or say Old Testament. Just if you have any kind of biblical background, you would say, man, here we are. We're in the Old Testament. That is the God of the Old Testament. I'm glad we're in the New Testament where God has changed and God is different. God was in such a bad mood in the Old Testament. I'm glad that when you turn the page 400 years later, he was in such a better mood. For us to decide that God has changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament calls for us to leave out so much of what the New Testament says. When you think about the words of Jesus and turn over to a couple of places marked in Scripture today and we see that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. In Luke chapter 12 Verse 4 and 5 says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those. And this is Jesus speaking. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. In Luke chapter 13 New Testament, Jesus speaking. Luke 13, verse 1. There were some present at that very time who told him, who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Listen to verse 22 of same chapter, Luke 13. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, speaking to Jesus, someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south. And recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold some are last who will be first. And some are first who will be last. And I read these verses with heaviness. Because there, there is no 
change in God. He's declared it already in a couple of weeks ago where he says, I do not change. You may say God of the Old Testament is not the God of the New Testament. We see that the same God who declares a day of judgment in the Old Testament is the same God that declares a day of judgment through his son Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And you say, well, this fire stuff and this hell stuff and this eternal torment and gnashing of teeth and I just don't know if I buy that. I think of the words of Augustine who many, many years ago said, if you take what you want to believe in the new, if you take what you want to believe in God's word and take out what you don't want to believe in God's word, then it's not God who you believe, but it's yourself. You see, friends, you and I are not left to decide whether or not what God is going to do is based on what we think. It's his word. He decides. And he said, well, okay, so there's an eternal separation, but I think the fire stuff is just figurative. Can I just ask this question, ask you to think for just a moment about this? Let me just give you that. Let me, let me say, okay, go that route. It's not my personal position that it's figurative, but let's just say, okay, it's figurative. What does figurative language do? Figurative language is given to us to help us understand what is reality. And if you say that this picture of fire and hell and judgment and as New Testament says, gnashing of teeth. and It's just figurative. Let me ask you, what is the reality that it's figurative of? There's no comfort. There is no comfort. There is no escape. There's no wiggle room. Even if you decide that the language of judgment on those who reject God is figurative. I say to you, when we think about that for some, the day will be dreadful, that that is why we go with the gospel. That is why we tell people about Jesus. That's why we pray for our neighbors. That's why we share Jesus with those who live around us. That's why we try to go to the nations. It's why we give to offerings like Acts 1-8, and we give to church ministry. We, it's why we... We, we send out families like the Joyobs. That's why we commission you to go into your schools. We, we go because there is coming a dreadful day of judgment. And there is time at this moment to share good news in the face of that dreadful day. Let me go secondly about this day. We see that for some the day will be dreadful. We see secondly for some the day will be hopeful. The celebration of God's word is the gospel. The celebration of God's word is that there is good news. 
The Bible tells us the bad news. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The word tells us the, the, the bad news for the wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us the good the, the Bible tells us the bad news that there will, will be a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, that there is a day of judgment coming, but the Bible tells us that there is also a way to be hopeful. A way to be hopeful. Verse 2. He says, but for you who fear my name. He, he qualifies, there, there will be some that it will be a dreadful day. But for you who fear my name. And he shows us that there can, this day of judgment can be a hopeful day. A hope-filled day. He says, but for you who fear my name, I believe that is synonymous with what we would understand faith to be. To fear God's name, to fear his reputation, to fear who he is and what he does. To have reverence and honor for him is to believe in him, to follow him, to worship him. He says, those who fear my name, and he, he begins to describe the hope of this day. Listen to these descriptors. He gave us descriptors of the Dreadful day. Here are the descriptors of the, the descriptors of the hopeful day. Number one, he says, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Now, if you're just hearing those verses and not reading those verses, you may think when I say the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings, you may immediately go to a resurrected Savior named Jesus Christ because you think that I've said sun of righteousness, S-O-N. And that's a wonderful application. But the spelling here is a comparison. He says the, the sun, it's a metaphor, the, the sun of righteousness, the S-U-N, the light of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And I, I think when you read that phrase that We've already read that in that day is coming, it will be burning like an oven, but there also that same day is referred to a day for those who fear him as a day where the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing. So on that day for some, it will be a day of healing and warmth, not a day of heat. And wrath. The sun of righteousness. You think about that picture, that illustration, and that uh, the, the, the sun of, of righteousness, the S U N. And imagine almost the, the, the feeling that he wants you to have from that message that comes through. You, you take a couple of weeks of rain, like we've had at times this year, and then suddenly you see on the weather report. Three days out, two days out, one day out, a day of sunshine like Thursday of this week where it's been cloudy and damp and wet and cool and you look and there's still just a little bit of a chill in the air but you walk out because you say, look, at the sun's out. I'm just going to go out and sit in the sun for a little bit and you walk back in and you say to yourself, man, that feels good. And the picture here for us is that there is coming for those who fear the Lord a day that will be like that. A day of healing and warmth. 
a day of hope is coming. Number two, he goes on, he says, The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, and then you shall go out leaping, how? Leaping like calves from the stall. And he uses this simile here, leaping like calves. And some of you in the room immediately have images in your mind, maybe from childhood, or for some of you, everyday life. There are not a ton of farmers still in our uh, in our culture or in our, in, even in our church. But here uh, you have this uh, agrarian picture here where he says that you'll be leaping like calves. Now, from us, for us living in Oconee County, maybe we get a view of this a little more than some maybe living in a city. Our route to school uh, takes us up Hodges Mill Road and then on to Hog Mountain Road and then over to North Oconee. And we pass the fields there near North Oconee that are filled from time to time with black Angus cattle. And there's one particular time of the year. We're about seven, eight months away from that right now, September, October. If you drive down Hog Mountain Road and you look to your left or right, right around North Oconee, you will see just one morning all of a sudden like a hundred baby calves. Mama's there, but these baby calves just kicking and running and playing and frothing. And, and it's just, it's so, we, we have literally stopped there and just watched them play from time to time. And that's the, that's the picture here that Malachi is giving to, the, to those who fear the Lord. He's saying, look, that, that day of judgment that's coming, yes, it can be a day of dread, but there is a way and there is a people that that day can be a hopeful day, like a day where the sun of righteousness shines on you, like the day uh, where you would be so joyful that you would leap like calves. Now there's a third and unusual descriptor here, and that is, he says, um, verse 3, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. And that's a, that's a rough description. What is, he, what is Malachi saying? We know that if you take God's word as a whole, that we're to pray for our enemies, that we're to love our enemies. That we're to look for ways to share the gospel with those who do not know Jesus. We are to even confront danger. We're to confront hardship. We're, we're to confront life-threatening situations to get the good news to people that need Jesus Christ. And then here there's a phrase that says, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they, for they will be ashes under the sole of your feet. What is he saying? He's saying that there is a day of vindication there is a day of vindication you say pastor is that that's old testament no it's new testament it's old testament listen to first thessalonians first thessalonians chapter i'm sorry second thessalonians chapter one second thessalonians chapter one verse four Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith and all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just 
God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of of his might what God is saying to us there's coming a day that you can be hopeful in because the evil will not always afflict that there will not always be suffering there will not always be persecution judgment is coming at the hand of God therefore in fearing him we can be hopeful even in times of suffering and persecution John Patton is the first missionary to reach the New Hebrides. He, he reached this South Pacific island in his lifetime. He was born in 1824, died in 1907. When one of those native to the New Hebrides were, uh, were preparing to take his life, Patton responded to them by just simply saying these words, If you kill me, God will judge you. If you kill me, God will judge you. In other words, Patton was saying, I won't judge you. I can't do anything about it. But if you take my life, you put your life in the hands of God. And here's the final thing. For some, the day will be dreadful. For some, the day will be hopeful. And then third and finally, for, for the Father, the day will be His. The day will be His. Now, back in Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, verse 3. He says, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. And here's the next. And on that day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. I want you to make a mark there. We've talked about these two-word phrases, the day, the day, the day, the day, five times. But here's another two-word phrase that's important when we think about the day of judgment. It's these two words, I act. Not me and not you. But in that day of judgment and accounting, God says, that's my day. God will have his day. Every child of God, every follower of Jesus Christ, everyone who has ever borne the name of Jesus, every one of you, teenager, adult, it, you, you live for his name's sake. Listen, God says there is coming a day where I will act. How does he act? He acts with vindication. He pours out his wrath on evil. He brings judgment, eternal judgment and wrath to those who reject him, who fail to fear him and esteem him. He acts. But in regards to this day, not only does he act, he also reminds 
And we have the grace of these verses where we all deserve hell and we don't deserve another moment. God, in his grace and patience, reminds. He says in verse 4, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. He, He is saying through Malachi to the children of Israel, Look, You know what's right. You know what it looks like to fear me. You know what it looks like to esteem me. I've given you my law. And this reminder was not just a mental recollection. It was a a reminder of of a way, of a life, of living to fear the Lord. He acts. He reminds. Maybe today he's reminding you. He's brought you here and... And you say, you know what, I, I think about that day of judgment and it's dreadful for me because I don't know where I stand with the Lord. Well, it could be a hopeful day. And God in his grace and his mercy before he acts in judgment is reminding you by being a part of this message today of another way. Finally, we see that he warns. In regards to this day of judgment, he warns. Verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day. He makes a promise. In fact, he makes two promises in this passage that we've read today. He promises that there is a day of judgment coming. But he promises also, number two, that before that day of judgment, that Elijah will come. And has he come? He actually has. In Matthew 11, we're told by the words of Jesus that John the Baptist, the the prophet John the Baptist, who came to prepare the way for the Messiah, Jesus, Jesus said, Elijah has come. John the Baptist, Jesus' interpretation was the fulfillment of this promise In Malachi chapter 4, 400 plus years later, Jesus says, I kept the promise. Elijah has come. Now, if God has kept that promise, though it took 400 plus years, there's one promise left for him to keep. That's the day of judgment. The day when God will return. The day when Jesus comes again. And there's no reason, there is no reason that if God has kept every other promise that he also won't keep that promise. So what now? If there is coming a day that will be dreadful for some and hopeful for some, a day that is his, what do we do? Before God acts, we need to heed his warning. Live for his name. Live for his name. Repent. Turn from following some other way. And you, you, you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you would look and you would say, you know what? I'm not ready for his return. Stand before the Lord today and just say, Lord, I confess. I want to live for your name. 
It, it, it could be today that when you think about living for his name that you think, okay, I'm going to do better. It's not doing better. It's doing... It, it's believing different. It's not doing better. It's believing different. It's, it's going from trying to do better to believing that Jesus Christ has... He's already done it. We spoke of this verse last week, and I speak of it again this week, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that through him we might have the righteousness of God. The thing that keeps reoccurring to me, even though I want my life to line up with bringing glory to his name, I know there's a gap where I'm never able to fully and completely and perfectly Mean every rule and law of God. And the sweetness of turning the page to the New Testament is that the Messiah comes, the Savior comes, Jesus comes, and He lives, and He dies, and He takes on my sin so that that day of judgment doesn't have to be for me or for you dreadful, but can be hopeful. But you must believe him, trust him, turn to him in faith. So live for his name. The second thing means that we need to do everything we can in our power to keep that day from being dreadful for others. It's urgent. It's why we give. It's why we go. It's why we pray. He is coming again. Judgment will happen soon. Two times on Thursday of this week before I'd even gotten to lunchtime people brought up a conversation with me where if you summarize the conversation this is what they were saying. Pastor I'm looking around what are these days coming to? What are these days coming to? Malachi chapter 4 tells us that these days are coming to the day. And, it is, and will it be a day of dread or a day of hope? Let's pray together.